The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. What's up on a Sunday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. This is the LB's Post Game Show. Colin Brister on the other side of me. We'll get into this is 31-24 Egg Bowl victory over Mississippi State. The first Egg Bowl of the Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach era. It was an interesting game. We'll get into a couple angles of that. We have a couple of your questions to take. But uh, let's just get right into it. What's up, man? Not much. Not much. I feel like today we've like completed the uh, podcast. Like uh, I don't. It's not a trifecta, but like. 
uh, seven ecta. Like, I feel like this is the first day we've ever recorded on Sunday. And I think that knocks out every single day of the week for us. I, I feel like, it, it, yeah, I think it does. I think we've literally recorded a pod on all seven days of the week. Uh, going on Sunday this time, you went to the game. That was part of the reason we're going on Sunday. How was it? Yeah. What was the atmosphere? Um, it was for man for 16 to 20,000 people. It was as good as it could be. Um, the student section was rocking. It didn't get loud at times, but you could tell the stadium was really, really into the game. Um, it was cool. I, I enjoyed it. It felt like for three and a half to four hours, just normal watching football. Um, I mean, it, it, it was, it was a cool environment. Obviously if you're an Ole Miss fan, you wanted it packed and whatnot, but you know, in these times we live in, that's not possible, but for, it was as good as it could, could be for 16 to 20,000 people there. What did you do? So I, that's an interesting point you bring up because I think these rivalry games are where you, you miss the crowd most in terms yeah. of like the pageantry of college football, because I was scrolling through Instagram last night after I got home from where I watched the game and was just looking at some of the celebration photos and stuff. People were posting, and I say people, like the players, basically. I like look at the corrals, like Instagram and all that. And like one of the things you miss most in these rivalry games is the players interacting with the fans and the trophy and all that after the game. Did you stick around after the game? What was I did. that kind of like? I did. They, uh, it was funny. I mean, they, they, so they don't bring the trophy out when the game's close like that. I don't guess because you didn't see it. You know, usually they have it on the field for the end of the game, but, um, you know, I, I didn't see it until the Hail Mary hit the ground and I saw somebody bringing it out. And then the next thing I know, I see John Rice Plumley sprinting to the student section with it, which was kind of cool, by the way. I mean, the kid didn't play a snap last night, but you could, you would, you would think after, you know, the way he got that trophy that he threw for 500 yards. Um, and they went around the whole stadium with it. I mean, you could tell that, man, there, there's a lot of people that want to de-emphasize this Egg Bowl and whatever. That program is not de-emphasizing this Egg Bowl. Those kids were beyond ecstatic to win that football game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance that gets lost there, even among, I, and I'm like, even among the de-emphasizers, in the sense that, like, I think there's a faction of people that probably want to de-emphasize it a little bit because it did get to the point for about five years there were it just became a clown show and people acted sure. like children. And I think there's a lot of middle ground between not caring about the game at all and maybe just like di- dialing it back a bit. Which I, I guess that's the first macro I thought we could get into. It was definitely a different energy surrounding this Egg Bowl from the little you could pick up on television and everything else. Like you know, other than Elijah Moore's you know piss and miss from last season, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, tomfoolery to be had. I guess is, is the best way, the the mildest way to describe it. Uh, there there was none. Um, there was none. I mean, I was there. Uh, right at right at kickoff, and I saw absolutely I mean, there was no personal fouls. Um, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And I do know that that Lane Kiffin made an emphasis or put an emphasis on it this week. Hey man, just go play football. Like don't get involved with the crap. Just go play football. And I think his message was, Hey guys, if we'll just line up and play, we're not gonna lose to them. And Ole Miss did not play well yesterday. And I'll be dang, that was correct. They lined up and play, and they played, and they won the football game. Um, Maybe not by enough points for some people, but, you know, they, they won the game because they're better than Mississippi State. And even though they didn't play well, they were enough they were enough better than State that they got the win. So not getting involved with that crap, it really it helps the better team, um, which was Ole Miss yesterday. Agree. And that was really, I, I guess, as we kind of transition into the game, that was the first macro I thought I had written down from yesterday was Really, just as a whole, man, Ole Miss played played like ass. Really, for a lot yeah. of the game, they did not play very well at all. No, but but and and I said this while ago. I, 
sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're just supposed to win when you don't play well, right? Um, you, you know, you look at this offense that has played extremely well for two two games, and I can't we can get into why we, they didn't play well. I think there's some thoughts there. Um, it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but they don't play well, and you beat your rival. Like like that's that's okay. It's okay to not be at your best and to win a football game. Um, frankly, to be well coached, you have to do that. You're not going to be with 18 to 22 year old kids, a well old machine, unless you wear Alabama across your chest. Um, you're gonna have bad days. It's when on those bad days you got to figure out a way to win. Not to mention in a global pandemic where you had an unexpected bye week last week, because that was yeah, one of the and- things Kiffin talked about last week. Was you know, so I think someone asked him directly, like, how does he feel about the extra bye week? And he was like, honestly, this kind of sucks because you can't really get into a rhythm. And Ole Miss was starting to play well, obviously coming off the win. So they went what? Vandy went by, South Carolina went by. Like, it, it's very yeah, hard and to I get mean, into a congruent rhythm with that type of stuff happening, but it's just kind of the world we live in. And now you have state by, like they have a by next week. So, just, I don't expect their trip to A&M to go well because of that, but I don't really care. Um, it, yeah, you, you, it's hard to get into a rhythm. You know, uh, Matt Corral, it's funny. You look at his stat lines, like 24 of 36 for 380 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And you're like, yeah, he played okay. <laughs> it's like, no, well, that dude played his tail off. And he, you're just so used to seeing throwing for 500 yards and throwing six incompletions that it's like, you look at that and it's like, well, that's all right. That and as we kind of dive into like how, like why Ole Miss didn't play well, why the game was close, of the, what you said, 24, 36, 380, of the 12 incompletions, Four, five, maybe were just really, really, really consequential, and they were overthrows. So, yeah. like, it was. It, I guess it kind of like highlighted, or I guess made the performance maybe feel a little, more, a little worse yeah, than it was. And this is the game. If you know Kiffin, uh, his press conference from last season stands out. Last week, I from it stands out in light of last night. I should say, in the sense that like that line about like get ready to rip me in terms of him talking about analytics and all that. Yeah. This was the analytically frustrating game if you're not into that sort of thing because Ole Miss left a ton of points on the field. But did they? D- does Luke Logan make all those field goals? You know what I mean? Like, I get it, but you're asking Luke Logan to make 38-yard field goals sometimes. And and I'm not even sure that your odds of going for it and getting it are, are – I'm pretty sure they're higher than Logan making a field goal. Um, so – yeah, it's frustrating, and and when Ole Miss is up seven, when you think, hey, if you kick two field goals here, you're up thirteen, um, and the game's not in doubt, you know, yeah, it is frustrating. But a lot of that to me is like, all right, we're both baseball guys. When a guy has a huge BA BIP, he 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 has like a five hundred BA BIP. That means the ball's getting put in play, and every time he's getting on, um, we just that is batting that average balls in play. Balls for play. You it's going to come down, there. right? Like that, it just has to. That's law of averages, right? Sure. Okay, when you convert at the rate that Ole Miss did on fourth down coming into this game, at some point the law of average you're gonna say no, 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 no. That, that you, this is going because Ole Miss was converting at an absurd rate on fourth down, um, and for whatever reason that the, the law of averages kicked in tonight and that that got knocked down. I do think like analytics is is you have to do the same. It's like playing blackjack. You have to do the same thing in every single situation or it doesn't make sense. If you go off script, it doesn't make sense, and the numbers are going to play itself out. And that, I think that's just kind of what happened. And I Miss was converting at such an absurd rate on fourth down over the year that, hey, or last night, that it just kind of regressed to the mean in a way. 
Yeah, and so Ole Miss turns it o- turned it over on downs three times last night. All I believe, all in Mississippi State territory. And yeah, so I was kind of of the opinion. So you get into the game, Ole Miss stops him on a three and out, which we could get into State's offense in a second. I don't really understand a lot of what they do or why. Um, nope, not, and not we, kind, we kind of got in. We kind of got into that on the Wednesday show in terms of whether Mike Leak should run the football or not. And it wasn't even a disagreement in the sense like I was just kind of posing the question to you. And you seemed adamant that he's going to do what he does, despite what Ole Miss doesn't do well. And yeah. uh, you are correct in that assessment. I'll pull up what exactly State's numbers were in a second. But just the thought I was trying to get to was, I was kind of of the opinion. So you know, but you trade punts and then Ole Miss scores, and then or you trade you punt and then Braylon Sanders drops a touchdown and then Ole Miss punches it in after another stop. When it got up to seven nothing, I was like, this could get out of out of control. Like yeah. I thought it might might get out of hand. And it just Ole Miss was never really able to create that separation. Right. And especially when it went up fourteen to nothing after the fumble at the goal line. Um yeah, that's that's tough. Um because I thought I thought the game was over. I thought Ole Miss was one stop away um and one score away if you get up twenty one from Mississippi State laying down. Um and credit to state they did not give up when they had ample opportunity to. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of think it goes back to, man, look, you don't play well sometimes. You're 18 to 22-year-olds, um, you know. But it's funny, too. Like, all right, let's just pretend that Ole Miss does kick two field goals, right? Let's pretend that, hey, um, you know, Luke Logan boots home a 38 and a 35-yarder. All right, well, now you won 37 to 24. You almost put up 40 points. You have 580 yards of offense. I mean, we're six points or, or six to nine points away from having a totally different conversation about this offense. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I would, I would, I would just like to float out there that the the Ole Miss backers in Las Vegas would probably like to have seen a little more of <laughs> Logan. But be that as it may, the game, the really where this game turned was right before the end of the first half, where Ole Miss drives it all the way down to the Mississippi State seven corral throws an incompletion to Elijah Moore. So State gets another turnover on downs in what was it wasn't a goal to goal situation. I guess yeah. inside the Mississippi State ten was uh but you get what I'm saying. It was the second one of the half where they turn it over inside the Mississippi State ten. And then State took it what, ninety three yards all the yep. way down for a touchdown to make it twenty one fourteen at halftime. And that's really what kind of allowed this game to be close, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase, because if Ole Miss converts that and punches it in, it's 28-7 at halftime, and the second half probably goes drastically different. And you're getting the ball did. after halftime. Yeah, the game yeah. would have been over for all intents and purposes at that point. And credit to State for making the stop and then being able to put, as offensively challenged as they are, being able to put together that drive, because that really kept them in the game for the next half hour, in terms, yeah. I guess, in terms of game time. I thought Will Rogers played really, really well. Um I think he's going to be good for them. So uh, He's a good player. You could tell that immediately. Even when they stuck him in that really terrible situation at Kentucky, you could tell it was like, okay, this kid's not completely overwhelmed despite having being put in. You know, his entry into college football was about as bad as a situation as you could ask for. Sure. Um, which, that's not fair to him. I don't know why they did that. But anyways, he's not a bad player at all. He was, he was elusive yesterday. Ole Miss got some heat on him at time. Uh, God forbid a ref throw a holding penalty, by the way, um, on Mississippi State. Dear God. But well, Ole Miss got called for plenty of them. Ole yeah, Miss that, got called that, for a few backbreaking holds yesterday that really thwart, some of them thwarted drives and other ones were just really backed them up when they were starting to click. I watched the replay last night. Two of them were horse crap. Um, and then the non-face mask call. I, I can complain because they won. The non-face mask call was egregious. 
Um, and what makes it even worse is they throw the flag and then pick it up. But anyways, um, no, Will Rogers is a good player. He, he absolutely is. Um, Ole Miss was able to get heat on him at times. He escaped. He made plays with his feet at times. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you think Ole Miss's defense played well yesterday? Like, just general statement, not a sliding scale on, on what Ole Miss's defense is. Do you think they played well? First half, yes. Second half, no. Okay. I, I think a lot. Look, I think they played as well as they possibly could. I think it's getting a little bit overblown. Like, State's offense is egregious. It, it is. Man, it's bad. Um, and they scored 24, and should, they were six inches from scoring 31. Um, I thought DJ Durkin did an excellent job. I have crapped on DJ Durkin a little bit. I thought he did an excellent job yesterday of saying, you know what? I'm dropping eight, and if this kid picks his apart, I'll let him do it. Um, but we're going to make him pick his apart. And he, he stayed disciplined. He didn't ever really blitz him um, outside of a few times, and it worked. So credit to him for, for continuing to do what he did. Because literally, I mean, Ole Miss was sending three and dropping eight every single play, and, and he never got out of it. And that's a credit to him because some coaches would be stubborn and just do what they do. Um, but I, I thought they played as well as they could, but I still don't think it equated to them playing well. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Rodgers was 45, excuse me, yeah, 45 to 61 for 440 and three touchdowns. Man, his, I would not have guessed his numbers were near that good just from watching the game. But well, I mean, I knew he played well, but that's a lot more yards than you, I guess I imagined them You know, or, him, and Corral like, both, him and Corral both set the Egg Bowl record for passing yesterday. Yeah, I believe that because I kind of stooped you with that, that trivia question on Wednesday that until, until, um, until today or until yesterday, the only player, the only only Ole Miss player to throw for 300 yards in an egg bowl since 1988 was Shea Patterson in the 55 to 20 loss. Like for whatever reason, this this game never really lends itself to quarterbacks just going bonkers. Yeah, yeah, and but they kind of did yesterday. So um, especially Rodgers, uh, who played well. So uh, that's a credit to him. State's got a, got a piece in, it. and I thought that Wally kid is fantastic. Um, so they, they've got some pieces going forward. I just don't know if that offense is going to work in this league. Yeah, I I don't know. I'd like to see him get his, get ideal personnel in there because that was one of the things you could tell very apparently from watching Mississippi State yesterday. It's one, they're very undermanned, and two, they just don't have the, the pieces to make the machine work at this juncture. But, all right, here's my thing with that. We won't spend a ton of time on this. You don't get long to make your pieces work anymore. So you better figure out how to make what you got work while you're there. Because, man, I mean, we're, we're watching coaches get fired in two years now. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, you don't really get that that amount of time. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, winning him, Leach winning yesterday would have gone a lot, would have built him up a lot more capital than yeah. the win did for Kiffin in that sense. Because it could have really rectified kind of the disaster that has been this season for Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, I mean, you look at Ole Miss. I, I expect, I'll say this now, I expect Ole Miss to win in Baton Rouge. Um, you you look at it, you talk about momentum. Uh, I mean, LSU's about to go get pounded by Alabama. They're going to get pounded by Florida. Do you really think they're going to care on December the 19th when Ole Miss runs in there? Yeah, that is an interesting interesting way to, to, to look at it for sure. I mean, it's you know you don't really know who's going to be playing quarterback. Um, at that point, you really don't know what they have left. So, yeah, I, I like Ole Miss's chances there in two weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. 
So you end this season five and five with man victories over LSU and Mississippi State. You want to talk about an energized fan base next year? Goodness. Yeah. So that I mean, Ole Miss got a bunch of shot. I mean, pretty good shot at getting to five and five, and you know whatever whatever happens in the A and M trip. But anyway, so like the I guess kind of reeling it back in towards this game. That was my first match. We thought Ole Miss didn't play very well. They left a lot of points on the board. Um, Corral played okay, but caught a couple overthrows that really cost him over the game, but still puts up good numbers. What, 20, what was he? 24-36 for 385 and two yes. touchdowns. And then Elijah Moore just a ho-hum 12 catches for 139 yards. <laughs> Ole Miss was very bad in the red zone. The way they made the hay, their hay in this game is they killed Mississippi State with the deep ball. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Dontario Drummond makes a great play. Braylon Sanders makes a great play. Um, Jerry Ali, Ely is a freak. Um, I can't remember the other touchdown. They had three in the first half. One was Drummond. One was Braylon. I can't remember the other one. Um, anyways, I guess it's not important. But, yeah, they, they absolutely dest- – oh, uh, Snoop Connor on the fourth and one. Uh, they absolutely destroyed straight – stayed on the deep ball. I mean, they, they could, could not guard them. State had a receiver back there at some point, didn't they? They had the Gidry kid defending. And I, I think, yeah, on a couple of plays, I believe. Well, um, almost had to do that at times this year. They did. Tyler Knight is still doing it since 2018. But so that was, the, Ole Miss was very bad in the red zone in this game. And, you know, if that's really, if you want to kind of create one lasting gripe from this game, I think that's probably it. They were not very good when the field got short. No, they were not. Um, but and it was it. I think a lot of that, I guess, to finish that thought, was really just their inability to run the football with a ton of consistency. I think that's really what what kind of caused a lot of that. Sure, but man, how different is that game? It, if Braylon Sanders look, and I'm not crapping on this kid because he makes one hell of a play to score the touchdown uh, on the deep ball. How different is that game if he just catches that ball on the opening drive? Like Very I just feel like that was such a big change in that game. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would say the game goes very differently because Ole Miss gets the three and out, drives right down the field and scores the touchdown. It's kind of like, okay, they're off to the races. Um, but I guess it kind of canceled out a little bit because Austin Williams fumbling at the goal line. That was a super unfortunate play for State. And to their credit, they didn't give up. I, if there was a point where they were just going to kind of roll over, I figured that might have been it. Because what? what, Ole Miss goes up 14 nothing off of that? Yeah, yeah. What happened there? Because I'm like I'm right in line with it, but I can't really see. Did Ole Miss knock that out, or did the kid just drop it? Um, Ole Miss. I think I'm, I from looking at the replay, Ole Miss knocked it out at least to some okay. degree. Mike Leach was hoping for incompletion, which I would just like. He was he's over there waving his hands on the sideline, asking for it to be called incomplete. And it's like, buddy, this was either you either got over the plane and scored, or this was a fumble. Like incompletion is really not in the realm Did- of possibility for this one. What I don't understand is you're talk is like you're trying to figure out like they never showed the pylon cam while there's and they're showing replays from other angles and there's very clearly an SEC Network TV guy with his camera in the in the other angles. On the pylon. So why could we not see the pylon, Cam? I don't understand that. Here's my question, too. I don't know how this worked out with that. I mean, we won't spend a ton of time on this play. If a person is out of bounds and touches the ball, the ball is dead. And that Mississippi State kid was out of bounds touching the football. So I don't know how. I thought Ole Miss got a little. And look, I may be completely wrong on the rules. That's completely possible. I thought Ole Miss got a little lucky there because that kid is laying out of bounds with his hand on the football and they didn't overturn it. Wait, wait, which one? The the kid the kid that fumbled it. When Ole Miss goes to pick it up, 
he's laying out of bounds and touches the football. And I'm pretty sure that makes the ball dead. Uh, I've never noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I promise you. If you go back and watch the replay, he is laying out of bounds, touching the football, and they didn't do anything about it. Now, Ole Miss had picked it up by that point. Like, it's in both of their hands. But, yeah, he absolutely did. Because I was sitting there watching the replay with my dad, and and we said the same thing. They're about to overturn this and give it back to State. He's laying out of bounds, touching the football. Whatever. Ole Miss was due for, for a break from a replay official. I do know that. Yeah, and then credit it didn't end up mattering, but credit to the whoever it was that tracked down yeah um the uh the ball carry after that because I thought Ole Miss was gonna house that for ninety nine yards. It didn't end up mattering, but I was surprised. Who was it that picked it up? I couldn't remember who was it was Leonard? Was it Leonard? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but whoever it was, I thought he was gone. I was very surprised that he got caught. But so credit to that whoever that was for Mississippi State, but I thought that was kind of where the game was gonna turn. And that was not the case because Ole Miss was up 21-14 at halftime, and that felt like a huge win for State at that point in the game. Like It felt like Ole Miss could have very very easily been up three touchdowns after that first half from the just really the entire flow of the game and the way the game had gone. It was like how in the – like I was sitting there at halftime wondering how in the hell Ole Miss was only up seven points. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, Yeah, exact same. So, I mean, I said it. I mean, Mississippi State did not play well. Um, in the first half, and somehow you look up, you're only up seven. You're like, good God, what happened? Yeah, and that was really the story of the game for Ole Miss and just in its entirety is Ole Miss played really did not play very well at all for the majority of this game. And you never really felt that that was the weird part about it is Ole Miss never created any separation. But I don't know about you. I never very for a second was thought Ole Miss was in danger of losing the game at the same time for any sort of like like lengthy period. I never for one, I never thought even on the last drive, the last two drives, I never thought state was going to tie it, take the lead, whatever. It just, it felt like the game was at Ole Miss's hands the entire time, but was close. It was a very weird game in that sense. It it felt like to me, and and this is, this is a little bit, um, not fair. Um, it felt like to me that, Hey, look, if Ole Miss needs to go score, they'll figure it out. Like, like the drive, they, they, Jerion Ely gets it in the end zone. They had to go score there and make it a two-possession game because State was going to get it and try to go score and win the game, and they did. I just always felt like, all right, if Ole Miss has to go get the football in the end zone, they'll go get the football in the end zone. And, again, that might not be a great way to look at it. I just kind of felt like that. If Ole Miss had to get it done, they'd get it done. I didn't think this was a very uh, well-called game from a play-calling perspective, yeah. which happens sometimes, right? Sure. I, mean, I mean, these dudes are human as well in the sense like you kind of, you know, at the rated Ole Miss has put up offense, you kind of just expect them to score at will on everyone because that's pretty much what they've done for most of the season against good and bad defenses alike. And this game, they just it didn't seem like Levy or Kiffin – Really, either one of them got in a rhythm from a play-calling standpoint. I didn't understand, like, like when they were trying to emphasize running the football, I never understood, like, why at that point in the game. I just, from a play-calling perspective, there were a few head-scratchers. Uh, the run on second and 27 sticks out for four yards. Um, for a yeah. smooth third and 23, there were just quite a few where it's like, what are they doing here? I looked at someone, I was watching it with some people yesterday, and I looked at someone at one point, it was like, it almost feels like they're toying with state. It almost feels like they're not, like, taking this, not taking it seriously. That's a dumb way to put it, but it almost was like, are they experimenting for other games? Like, what are they doing here? I didn't understand. Like, there was very little urgency, I guess I, sh- I would Yeah, I mean, just way. from a play-calling perspective, some things like, look, and Jeff Levy was phenomenal this year. He, he had a bad day yesterday. I think he did admit he had a bad day. I think Ole Miss, I think offensively sometimes, they just, and, and maybe 
look, I'm not a football coach by any stretch of the imagination. So please tell me if I'm wrong, someone. Um, I feel like there's times in the game where they just say, all right, we're going to run this right now. By God, it doesn't matter what the score, what the situation is. We're going to go after it. Like you look at the wildcat crap, you run it, you get first and 10. All right. Well, now you got a holding penalty and we're still running wildcat. Like, what are we doing? And, and you run it for two yards, and then Matt Corral comes around on the reverse and throws the bull crap incompletion. And then on third and 18, he throws an 80-yard touchdown pass. It's like, maybe just let your quarterback play quarterback. Like, can we just do that? Let the, the, let the badass play quarterback. I think that will work well. I felt myself. I mean, I I found myself kind of asking and and wanting the same thing in that sense from an Ole Miss perspective. Was it was almost like the old Seattle let Russ cook thing where Pete Carroll is insistent on running the football and it's like, hey, but you got a pretty good dude that can throw it. Why not do more of that? Because the running thing clearly is not working. It was like let Corral cook. Yeah, <laughs> it's like can we stop letting Elijah Moore play quarterback and let number two play it? That would be great. Thanks. How is the Wildcat still a thing in twenty twenty? <sighs> I mean, Ole Miss ran it all last year. Yeah, I mean, true. Uh, to, to basically a watered-down version of it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, that that part was confusing. And then, you know, Corral ends up throwing the ball 36 times, but I would have I would have argued that they very would have done well and probably uh, won by a lot more if that had been 46. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Look, we talk about Corral, um, you know, having some overthrows. That same breath, man, they dropped like four passes that, that really would have helped out. Yaboa drops a 15-yard pass yesterday that gets him in the five-yard line, and obviously Braylon drops the uh, touchdown pass. Yaboa actually dropped two yesterday. Um, so, like we've said, they just did not play well really, really at all day on offense yesterday. Without turning it over, that was the weird part, but they were penalized 10 times for 81 yards, and the majority of those came on the offensive side of the ball. I think we should start gauging, and you said they didn't turn it over, and I agree it was big they didn't turn it over. I feel like turnovers on downs are a turnover, though. Maybe maybe I'm wrong in that, but I, I just feel like, hey, you gave them the football. That should that feels like a turnover to me. Yeah, I agree. I think turnover on down. I mean, it was basically like a turnover. I mean, it all happened. Two of them happened de- as, as deep and plus territory as you could get. You're basically inside Mississippi State's 10-yard line. You, when you don't get any points there, it's basically a turnover. And as you were talking a second ago, I'm trying to find Ole Miss's red zone uh, numbers, and I it can't find good. it for the statistics, but I know it was not good. So I, I will work on finding that. Uh, well, as I, we mean, t- I can, I can tell you right now, they, they scored twice. Um, you said they turned it over on downs. How many times in, inside the 10 or three, three or two came inside the 10 that I, that I know of. One of them was, I think around the Mississippi state so, 27 yard line, something like that. All right. So well, let's go with three or six. Cause they scored two touchdowns on bombs. Snoop has the touchdown run. Jerry has the touchdown run. There's your two. Luke Logan makes a field goal. There's three, and we know of three turnovers and downs inside the at least 25 or so. So three of six inside the red zone, not going to get a lot. Of, not, you're not going to beat a lot of teams doing that. Thankfully, you were able to beat Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, most teams on Ole Miss' schedule, they do not win the game yesterday with the way they played. They played very poorly, and at the same time, it just never really felt like we're in any real danger of losing the football game. Defensively, I thought Ole Miss played decently well in the first half. I thought the defense came out and did a good job in terms of, I mean, cliche football thing incoming, but setting the tone, getting the quick three and out, and really not letting State establish a rhythm early. Uh, You know, there was an opportunity for Ole Miss to seize control of this game, and the offense failed the defense in that sense. 
but like Ole Miss did well enough defense. Like the way in my mind, the way State was going to hang around in this game was scoring on three of their first four possessions or four of yeah. their first six possessions or something like that, and that didn't happen. And it left the opportunity for Ole Miss to really kind of step on State's neck, and the offense just never did it. But the defense should get credit for presenting them the opportunity to do so, despite giving up 479 yards of offense. I feel like regardless, and, and maybe I'm crazy here. I feel like regardless of what you are on the defensive side of the football, there's a ceiling in this league with Mike Leach's offense, and it's probably 24 to 30 points. Um, And you look at what yesterday happened. I mean, he scores 24, probably should have had 31. I I just – it feels like there's a ceiling with that. And Ole Miss's defense, look, they did everything they could do. And and I thought, look, I think Otis Reese is a heck of a player. Um, And Ole Miss tackled well in the open field. But it just always felt like, man, they're not going to come up. At, they're not going to walk into Vaughn Hemingway and light up the scoreboard. No matter what your defense is, talking about Ole Miss's defense, they're not going to just put a ton of points on the board um, because the offense just isn't suited to do that. That offense, look, I'm not a Mississippi State fan by any stretch of the imagination. That offense is hard to watch. It, it really is for me. Maybe it is I'm not crazy. an appeasing watch. And maybe it gets better when they get, you know, better personnel in. But as, as it currently constructed, it is not fun to watch. I did not enjoy watching it. God almighty. I mean, you're you're throwing it every single play. And I get it. It's the air raid. But, my God. Well, that's kind of, I guess, would lead us into what we are talking about on Wednesday. Was Mike Leach going to... Uh, run the football at any greater frequency than he has all season. I pointed out to you that Mike Leach runs the ball 16 times per game, which is probably slightly less because, you know, a couple of them are sacks. And guess how many times State ran the ball yesterday? 12. 16. Oh, there you go. For, two, for 2.4 yards of carry. Mike Leach, to your point, sometimes to a fault, is going to do what he does. And it did not work out very well for them yesterday, which is weird to say because they did rack up 479 yards of total offense and, you know, only lost the game by the t- by a touchdown, very shorthanded. But, like, it just – it never really felt congruent. I didn't understand – you know, they ran the ball. They had two design runs on the first three possessions where Ole Miss is the worst rush defense in the SEC by 60 yards. They averaged – 240 yards allowed per game. The next worst rushing defense is at 183. So Ole Miss is the worst rush defense in the SEC by an average of 60 yards. And on State's three opening three possessions, they ran the ball twice. And I get there's an element of do what you do, but that just doesn't feel – that feels not smart, I should say. Well, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Joe Moorhead wins that football game yesterday. I think and 10 I, times out of 10. I firmly believe that. Because in 2018, Joe Moore had really, really wanted to throw the football. He wanted, he was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And my man came to Oxford that day, and he ran the ball 52 times or whatever and walked out of there with a 35-3 to win. Like, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Um, and Moorhead, to his credit, that day did. Leach did not. Um, and look, when State did run the ball, they didn't do it successfully. But I feel like if you had put an emphasis on running the football, you could have had some success yesterday. Agree. I mean, you're not going to, I mean, I can't really counter that because I thought state should have run the football more than they did. And I just, I didn't really understand that in that sense, but can, I mean, when's how many, how many games this year at the same time as state racked up 479 yards of total offense? It's probably not very many. And then on the flip side, you're, you know, we're criticizing the Ole Miss offense. Ole Miss still got 550 yards of total offense. Like it's, it's hard to, it's weird to contextualize these two offenses for entirely different reasons. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard for Ole Miss. You talk about Ole Miss offense. You say, oh, they didn't play well. They didn't well, 
they played just like they have every other game for the past month, except the scoreboard. And if you kick two field goals instead of, you know, going for it, and let me be clear, I wanted them to go for it, you're talking about a different thing. Like, you're talking about 37 points and a 37-20-whatever-four Egg Bowl victory that was never in doubt. It, it, it's just when you talk about this offense, and I get it, you know, uh, Phil Longo put up a lot of yards, so you can't just talk about yards. Um, but when you look at this offense, they didn't play well, but it's kind of relative, right? They didn't play well according to their standards. Right. The whole thing's relative. It's all, I mean, it's all relative, and that's really the best way to kind of contextualize really both of these teams for for entirely different reasons. But, yeah, I just that is a difficult watch, and I don't know how you would, like, view things if you're a Mississippi State fan at this point because I think that's probably the more interesting conversation to have. Ole Miss kind of did what they did. They were expected to win this game by nine and a half points. They did it by seven, be that as it may. Like, they kind of just did what they did, won the game without playing well. If you're State at this point, you feel like you have a quarterback. You yeah. probably don't feel good about much else. Yeah, I would feel good about the uh, wide receiver, uh, Wally. He's a stud. He is a very right. good player. They do have – I should say that. They do have one wide receiver. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, uh, God's – oh, look, they didn't sack Rodgers much yesterday. They got heat on that kid a good many times with three people. Um, he had to move his feet a good bit yesterday, and it's not a good sign if Ole Miss's defensive line. Sam Williams played well yesterday. His stat line is not going to show it, but he got – after that kid yesterday, could not get a holding call. They tackled him five times. Um, but Ole Miss's defensive line, I'll give them some credit, played well. Now, look, Mississippi State's offensive line is not good. Um, and thank, I'm to, you know, we're, we're in Thanksgiving season. I'm thankful for the center uh, for Mississippi State. But um, he helped Ole Miss a lot. He did. Um, so, you know, if you're Mississippi State and you're looking at that offensive line, Man, that does not look good. Um, and now you're going to go play a Missouri team that's won three games in a row. I don't think Mississippi State wins that one. And then Mississippi State and Auburn on December the 12th might be the worst game I've ever – like you talk about two teams that at that point just aren't going to care. Yeah, that's that's going to be a hard watch. But, yeah, and the, the weird part about that is, is Mike Leach has to recruit a certain type of lineman to kind of yeah. run that system. And I'm just wondering if he can find those – enough quality linemen to do that successfully in the sec i think that's probably you know and everyone's like the airway air raid won't work in the sec or the air raid will work like no one really has any substance to that conversation i think that's probably one of the most crucial pieces is can you get the right type of offensive lineman because the rest of the point is probably moot if you can't yeah um here's my thing though and and i don't i don't think you're wrong but Ole Miss sacked will rogers one time yesterday and they scored 24 points against a not good defense. Like, yeah, he needs better linemen. I get it. But is, is better linemen and better receivers – like, it just feels like this drop eight defense is just a shutdown for, for this offense. I mean, you, you, you they scored 45 points in Baton Rouge, and a week later Arkansas shuts them down in Starkville. So my thing is, like, can this drop eight de- defense against this air raid be combated? Because it just doesn't – look, because teams did this to Leach all the time in the Pac-12, and it tended to work. So I just – my thing is, like, does it matter what kind of players you have? Obviously, better players help. But is this is this just like a shutdown for this offense? I, that's what's going to be interesting to me to see if you can even combat this air raid system or if you can even combat the drop eight with the air raid system. 
thank you to all. I agree with all of that. Like it, that's going to be kind of the fascinating thing to watch in terms of the leech experiment. And how long does he get to kind of prove this? Like how long is his test case? Because there isn't there a world. Let's assume state loses their last two games and they go two and eight this year. I mean, there's a world if they're non-competitive next year that they just clean house from the AD down, don't they? Ron, do you know who Mississippi State plays in their non-conference next year? I do not. NC State and Memphis. They can lose both of those. Um, oh, then, man, Lee. A Memphis game early in year two for Leeds, that's, that feels dangerous. Yeah, I mean, and NC State would be favored if they played today. I mean, good God. And now you're – I mean, look, they get they get Vanderbilt next year. That helps. Um, but, I mean, look, Kentucky's a better football team than them. Ole Miss is a better football team. LSU's probably going to be a better football team, but they may just quit. Um, I mean, it, it could get bad over there next year. Will it? I don't know. But you tell me he goes four and eight next year. I'm not shocked. And I don't think he's the coach in 2022 if he goes four and eight. I'd, I would argue, I would contest that it probably depends on how it looks for sure. If the four and eight is the market, it would definitely depend on how it looks. So that's uh, that's interesting. I started out by saying thank you. Um, Ole Miss uh, media relations, it seems to be the only one interested in red zone statistics. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I don't really understand that ESPN, that CBS, et cetera, get it together. Ole Miss went to the red zone five times. They scored on three of them. One of those was a Luke Logan field goal, if I'm not mistaken. So they scored touchdowns on less than 50% of their red zone possessions. Not good. Not great. Not great. Um, but, you know, some of that's just a little bit of regression uh, is what it is. So, yeah, look, man, it, at the end of the day, you didn't play well and you beat your arch rival. Um, so, you know, you'll take it. And, and you you better get a heck of a lot better before you go to College Station in two weeks. One thing that I saw shortly after we recorded the podcast yesterday was uh, who Ole Miss did and did not honor on Senior Day yesterday. And that I did find this in- interesting. I'm about to find – I'm actually looking up Nick Suss, uh, who put this out the other day. Susk has now gone with the mask profile picture and appears to have gotten – no, it's not gotten a haircut. Sorry, scratch that. Suss, cut your hair. Um, Let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to find this. This was Wednesday afternoon. For uh, Forgive me. I should have already had this pulled up. This is bad podcasting. Here we go. So uh, this was one thing that stood out to me uh, as I was kind of watching on this play yesterday and any of these people made made tackles. Uh, what does this say to you? So Ryder Anderson went through senior day yesterday. Okay, sure. He's been around a while. Mac yeah. Brown. Uh, that that seems that seems p- uh, potentially significant for Ole Miss. Yeah, sure. Junior Momo Sonogo. Um, I think it's. I think, look, I think Lane said this um, in, a, in maybe a season episode or whatever. I saw him say it somewhere. He told him, if there's a possibility you do not come back next year, go ahead and go through senior day. I don't think it's a lock that these kids that were announced yesterday do not come back. I just think that it signifies they're thinking about it. Kenny Yaboa, Tariq Tisdale. I, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. But Agreed. I could be wrong. Uh, Braylon Sanders. That's interesting. I think he's actually probably back. I could be wrong, but like, take the, all this with a grain of salt. Uh, Blue Penniman, I mean, is what it is at this point. Yeah, God, kid's God been there a too. long time. Good luck uh, to him. He he deserves he deserves nice things. I feel bad for that kid. He's a good kid. Tied in now. Um, yeah. let's see. Is anyone else stick stick out? Oh, Luke Logan. I think they they're making him good. They, <laughs> I think I don't know how much of a decision. Look, look, Luke, Luke made a field goal yesterday, and all his extra points good for him. He did. He uh, I wish I wish if, if not for the Ole Miss defense allowing that field goal late, Luke Logan's end of his career would have been running the cover play. He kicked the extra point. 
Good for Luke. I'm happy for him. You know, seriously, for a second, you know, yesterday had to feel good for that kid and Elijah, obviously, too. Sure, absolutely. I, I, that's what, so that's another thing. I know they're not, you know, but Momo Sonoko's on this list as a junior, and you pointed out that was really kind of what I was getting to is who is not on the list because you pointed out if there's a chance that you're not back next year or whatever Kiffin said on this season, uh, then go through senior day. You know who is not on this list is Sam Williams. Yeah, that's a good sign. Almost Elijah Moore's not on this list. Yeah, okay. Well, he's not. Okay. Elijah's a third-year player. I think you at least have to have graduated to go That's through fair. senior day. Yeah, That's, Elijah's yeah. gone, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's gone. I, uh, I no, no argument there. But I just found that interesting, the people they were choosing to honor and not to honor in that sense on senior day and what that kind of means for next Was, year. Uh, it probably Lakeia doesn't mean Henry a whole lot. Lakey Henry is not on this list. He's another significant one. He was not on this list. So that okay. that's that and Sam Williams seems to be an wait, ostensibly. Wait, hold on. Uh, Jalen Jones? Jalen Jones, not on this list. Wow. Okay. You're going to get him back. Um, just trying to think of anybody else. Offensive line should be back. Uh, Dontario Drummond. He not on this list. Wow. You're going to get him back, it looks like. Man, they got a chance to be okay next year. They do. And I thought that was odd. Uh, from thanks for to sus for putting that out and pointing that out because I I found that interesting. It sounds like you're getting a lot of your horses back. Um, you know Elijah Moore not on the list, but to your point, probably have need to graduate. I would not anticipate him back at Ole Miss uniform next year, which uh which leads me into kind of my next point. So he kind of has the ho hum twelve catches for 139 yards yesterday. He's made 100 yard games look uh, fairly business like, and you know. I think the best way to contextualize it in the one sense is I saw a stat this morning. So Mississippi State, the Wally kid, had the first back-to-back 100-yard receiving games by a Mississippi State receiver in program history where I believe Elijah has 100-yard games in every single one but one. He has two 200-yard games this year, whereas State just had a 100-yard receiving uh, game by a receiver back-to-back for the first time since the inception of the program. That's why. Oh, my God. Jeez. State's not had... Um, elite receivers for a while. So that I say that it's not that shocking, but you just figure somebody would have got that done by now. Um, no, the Wally I got that old. from Mississippi State's football account too. I mean, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but maybe don't put that out. Maybe yeah. stick that in the footnotes of the game notes. Like that's, that doesn't say what you think it says. Speaking of uh, Twitter accounts, do you see what Ole Misses did yesterday? I did not. What did they do? Is so, it some right. egg bowl pettiness? Yeah. Did you you remember the like bandwagon tweet that like Mississippi State sent out with like Leach riding the horses and stuff after the Egg Bowl, the Oklahoma thing? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Almost retweeted it the second the kick, the second the Hail Mary hit the ground. I mean that that Almost's Twitter account in the past like seven months has just gone bozo. I wonder if that's Kyle Campbell or Brad Sheffield with just like the biggest shit eating grin on their face possible <laughs> as they hit retweet. But <laughs> they're just talking loads of crap. Oh, it's great. I mean, they, they sent off the tweet on Tuesday, like uh somebody's uh some like ESPN said, Who is the horse fan base? <laughs> this is football Twitter. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> like they're they're so done. But um, that's a, so that's part of it though, in terms of like like that type of energy in terms of the egg bowl rivalry, like that type of stuff is funny. Like I would, I would put, I would, I would rank that ahead of on-field fights uh, 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Look, some of that stuff was funny for a little bit, but starting about 2018, that crap got old. Um, 2017 was just kind of funny to me. Like it's, 
look, it's hey, your program snitched on us and we got in trouble. So uh, we hate you and we're going to fight you. 2018 was starting to get a little ridiculous. And then obviously last year was what it was this year. And I think Richard Cross said it on the way home. I was listening to the radio. Um, he, he said, man, it just felt like for the first time in the wall with the egg bowl, I just watched a football game um, because for a long, long time, it, it did not feel like just a football game. Agreed. And um, on that note, or I should say on a different note, uh, the point I was going to get to before we got into the state and Ole Miss accounts was where does this rank in terms of Ole Miss duos? The Corral to Moore duo um, really has not been written about enough in the sense that they both like, you know, their individual performances obviously have been covered extensively in their individual successes. But that's something you saw from the time that Corral got four games in 2018 or whatever it was, Tiamu's last year. You could yeah. tell he had a rapport with Elijah Moore immediately because Moore was cracking the rotation with AJ, DK, Lodge and all of that kind of. I mean, obviously he played a lot more than Corral did, but when Corral got in there, you could tell from the start that they had a rapport and man to watch that grow even through a lot of offensive dysfunction the last two years has been really something to watch. It's got to be up there with the best yeah, well, in Ole Miss history. I, I was going to say the only one I can really compare it to is, is Chad Kelly and Laquan Treadwell. Um, I mean, Bo and Moncrief had a good one, but it's, it's those three, right? Like I can't really think of anything past that. Um, Maybe Eli I'm was, romanticizing this. You, you were probably about to say it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say Elon, like, Chris Collins was good that's and, and Mike exactly Hesby. what I was going to but I was a young kid so that probably wasn't as great as I remember yeah um I don't know it's up there it's it's top three for sure um but man that both those kids are special it's it's a shame that they didn't win a, lot, a few more football games because you're talking about both of them in the Heisman race yeah and they have both they have a very good relationship and I just I find that interesting they came in in the same class they dealt with Rich Rodriguez together. They dealt, you know, with <laughs> Elijah Moore. I mean, you know, Corral had his own weird egg bowl last year, you know, defying the play calls and coming in off the bench and actually carrying. And then, you know, obviously Elijah Moore's moment. Like, they've dealt with a lot of similar struggles and really, really this year has kind of emphasized that that paying off and them not leaving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Elijah's going to be a top two-round pick, I think, and then – you know, I think Corral stays one more year. And I think, look, I think there's still some things he can improve on. Um, I think he can get through progressions a little bit faster. I think he can like, – he held the ball at times too much yesterday. I think he leaves here next year as a late first or second-round pick. Um, so, yeah, both of those kids coming back, man, it, it benefited Ole Miss, but I think it probably benefited both of them as well. Agreed. And I'm just looking through these photos as well. Yeah, I just can't think of any – I mean, they're up there with the best duos and – uh, you know, they were a lot of fun to watch, and I just wonder if Ole Miss people, I mean, Ole Miss fans, I guess, like kind of fully appreciate it because, you know, you probably got two more, or Ole Miss, I guess, will go to a bowl, right? I don't really know what bowl season looks like. I so, think we're going to have bowls, but I won't be shocked if they don't, and I won't be shocked, and I won't blame this kid one bit if Elijah says, you know what, I, I'm good. Yeah, so that's kind of getting me the, like, I guess what I was trying to say is, you, you probably have two games left with them, so in, it, soak it up while you can because it, it's they've been a, a, a lot of fun to watch, albeit for a short period of time. And it's it's, it's a shame Rich Rodriguez did what he did last yeah. year because you could have gotten an extra year of it. And instead, you know, I mean, Elijah Moore had 67 catches last year, had a pretty good year in his own right, and none of it felt fun to watch at all. <laughs> I wonder if he watches his old mess anymore and it's just like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Um, in my mind, uh, Rich Rodriguez is in a cave somewhere out west cussing and walking around the cave walls. I don't know if he knows football season. He has seasons. a podcast now. You should listen to it. 
He has a podcast? Yeah, him and his daughter. Oh, stolen Valor Rich. Stay all up. Stay in your lane. Um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to coach football. Well, he's not either. Um, last thing I had written down, Ole Miss got hats. So this run the sip thing. Kiffin, we talked about Kiffin being this. a marketing genius inadvertently on the Wednesday podcast, if I'm not mistaken. He is a... Uh, he is doing everything he can to get the we run the sip, come to the sip thing off the ground. And I guess it's working. Yeah. Well, I bought one of those hats this morning. They're dope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I saw a link on Twitter. What is the origin of this? Is it just uh, something he likes to say? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it's awesome. Um, yeah, he's a marketing genius. And uh, look, I think it's really good for Ole Miss. Look, obviously, this pandemic hits and it really screws with your attendance. I think he is going to, and, and I don't say this lightly, I think he's going to really, really help Ole Miss's attendance numbers, like as far as kids-wise. Um, so, yeah, man, he's a marketing guru. Um, the things he does, like getting off the jersey and the A.J. Brown uh, jersey yesterday with that hat on, like it, that's all planned and whatnot. So um, I'm excited, man. He, he's a lot of fun um, when he's your team's coach. So I think he's going to recruit really well. Um, that's, you know, coming to a close here soon as far as early signing day. Um, but Ole Miss needs players, and I think he's the guy that, that that's going to be able to to get him. And I tell you, I was talking to somebody about this before the game yesterday. It's a lot different when Lane Kiffin signs a top 10 class than when Hugh Freeze does it, right? <laughs> yes, I, I actually was talking to my dad about this over the break. There's a legitimacy factor, fair or unfair, that come, this sport is weird, and it's weird yes, in the way that it's covered, absolutely. and it's weird in terms of who legacy media accepts as acceptable in terms of like who's allowed to sign good players and all that. There's, you know, I mean, people forget he's because he's become so well known. When Freeze got hired from Arkansas State, nobody knew who the hell this guy was. No, and so him signing classes like that off the bat, to your point, raised eyebrows. Where there's a legitimacy factor, which I think is incredibly stupid. Be that as it may, I don't really like Hugh Freeze, but I found that aspect of it very dumb but you know fair unfair it exists you're right there's a legitimacy legitimacy factor associated with that is not going to uh raise eyebrows with uh with uh mark emmert basically <laughs> no it's just like it's just late he's sizing in class that's what they do right like you know lane kiffin is selling academics and hugh freeze was not right we all know that <laughs> yeah that's totally it but so, no i mean i, I think yesterday helps um, with recruiting in state as much as an egg bowl can help. Um, I don't buy that it's a massive deal, but I also don't think it's unimportant like a lot of people pretend that it is. Um, so I think if you're a recruit on the fence and you've watched these two programs this past year, I think you know which program's headed pretty sure in the right direction. Yeah, that particularly on the defensive side of the ball, where like Ole Miss is in a better place, you probably – I mean, anyone could agree that State is right now, and they can sell immediate playing time on the defensive side of the ball. So yes, yes, it's pretty, Son, pretty powerful to tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> can you play in the bowl game? Have you graduated high school, son? <laughs> but anyway, um, one last. I know we're kind of bouncing around, but who cares? Uh, one last. Elijah Moore thought he broke the reception. I think he broke AJ Brown's receptions record in a season. <laughs> so. I know, so he's going to break these records, and it's a, like you said, it's a shame Ole Miss is not slightly better because they would be getting, and it's a shame it's happening in this pandemic season where I would just say interest in the sport is just kind of fractured um, because you, the hodgepodge season, but it's going to be one of the most impressive seasons in the history of college football. He's breaking all these records in a 10-game slate. 
Yeah, and imagine if they were playing, you know, uh, southeastern Louisiana and getting, like, games against Troy or whatever. Exactly. In a 12-game slate. Like, he would have put up absurd numbers. Yes, yeah, it's a shame, man. Because um, th- this kid would be a Heisman contender if that were the case. Because Ole Miss's record, honestly, is probably eight and four-ish. And that's yeah. good enough to win you a Heisman or at least talk about you winning one. Agree. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's a shame because in a normal year where you're filling up the stands and the interest in college football and, you know, there's people, you know, there's game day every week. Obviously, there's game day this week, but it's not the normal game day. Sure. Like normal conditions. This is a historic year that's, that would get a lot more attention. And that's that's a shame. But, hey, the numbers are what they are. He will be rich uh, one day because of it. Yes, absolutely. He is a phenomenal player. Um, and man, they, 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 it's crazy to me. I don't know how that dude's always open, but by God, he is. <laughs> that's what that's what the, that seems to be the general consensus even from the coaching staff in that sense because it's I mean I I was writing a story on uh, why Kiffin was using uh, more in the backfield uh, last week and yeah. basically the gist of the story is you can't double team it back there but Kiffin had a quote that was like yeah I keep going into these games thinking this is going to stop working and we're going to have something found something else but he just keeps getting open and that was the quote <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with him. Like, I don't know. If I was a defensive coordinator, I would use a lot of resources to try and cover that kid. Yeah, agree. That seems important into stopping Ole Miss, but no one has successfully done it yet. I mean, last thing before oh. we move on to our questions and get out of here, but I'll just read through his game game log. Hold on. Let me look this up real quick. I did this the other day, and it's kind of absurd. Third. Let's see. Elijah Moore game log. This would be when my internet decides to stop working. Lovely. Um, you ready? Sure. Let's see. 227, 10 catches, Florida. A ho-hum, 92 yards uh, against Kentucky the next week. 11 for 143 against Alabama. 11 for 113 against Arkansas. Five receptions for 16 yards against Auburn. Jeez. So. He has eleven hundred yard season through seven games, absorbing a game in which he had sixteen yards. <laughs> Fourteen for two thirty eight, Vanderbilt. Thirteen for two twenty five, and twelve for one thirty nine. Good lord, just just absurd, man. Just just absurd. We do have a couple questions before we get out of here. Is there any other big aspect of this game that we missed? It just this game. I hate using. I hate and love using this phrase at the same time. This game just kind of was what it was. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> like you can't, it, it was kind of nondescript in a way. I mean, Ole Miss should have dominated. They didn't. They won by seven. They did what they had to do and they won a football game. I, I, I just kind of feel like there weren't a whole lot of superlatives uh, to surround this game. It really was a bland game from a cover standpoint. Like, I, you know, I do miss the days of talk radio sometimes, and I don't know what you'd talk about today. Like, <laughs> like you know, in hour three. What is hour three of today's show? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, look, they won a football game. They didn't play well. It is what it is. Um, be happy about it. You beat, beat your arch rival for the first time since 2017. Uh, first time you'd won in Oxford since 2014. It, it's okay to not play well and not to be overly critical as long as you win the football game. What an absurd stat. I know it's only two meetings since then and before yesterday's, but the first Egg Bowl win since 2014. In Oxford, so, well, you know what's crazy is like, yeah, but if you last year Mississippi State won their first one since 2013 in Startville, and 2015 was the first time the road team had won since like since Eli, 03. right? Yeah, yeah, since 03. 
Weird, weird series. All right, let's get through these questions before we get out of here. Um, what happens f- from Rod- Dream Daily 12? What happens first, crowd of the NFL, or Le- Lebby gets a head coaching job? Ooh, I think um, I think they both happen at the same time. If you're talking about it, what offseason? I think that's next offseason. So, same time. I'll go just for the sake of being a contrarian. I'll go crowd of the NFL first. Crowd of the NFL is a safer pick because that's going to happen next year. Like, you know when that's going to happen. I don't think Levy gets it next year. So the bet would be that Levy doesn't get a head job next year. I, I think that's the safer pick. Uh, Tyler Keith has a couple of questions. Is this the best game the Ole Miss defense has played this year? I, um, Arkansas, I, don't know. I thought, was the best game they played all year. Yeah, that was the first one that immediately came to mind in terms of just keeping them in the game despite seven turnovers. So, yeah, I'll go Arkansas. But it's up there. I mean, it's yeah, not absolutely. relative with this Ole Miss defense. But that's a top three. Um, which bowl game does Ole Miss go to, buddy? We don't. We we don't know. We're not that smart. I hope, look, if it's up to me, they go to Florida. I've, I've never seen Ole Miss play a bowl game in Florida. That'd be fun. What do you think Ole Miss's final regular season record is? Five and five. Five and five. I think they beat LSU. I do. Has there ever been a non-Vandy SEC defense statistically as horrendous as the Oof. twenty Ole Miss unit? I mean, Ole Miss twenty eighteen was pretty bad. Um, but in Vandy's defense, they have a lot of problems. I'm not sure they've had defenses as bad as the this one. No, no, this one's awful. Um, which one's worse? What are we comparing 2020 and 2018? Yeah, and I could do the statistic. Like, I'll, I'll, for our next podcast, I'll have 2018 versus 2020 statistics ready, just so we can laugh. But okay. it, it, just eye test, which one is worse to you? All right, I'm going to say this. I think DJ Durkin is a lot better, obviously, than Wesley McGriff. I think Wesley McGriff had a lot of talent that he screwed with in 2018. I shouldn't say a lot. I think he had talent that he screwed up in 2018. I do not think there is a world where DJ Durkin gives up 49 points to Southern Illinois or whatever the hell that school was. <laughs> the Salukis. Um, so I'm going to go with 18. I'm going to go with 18, too, just because we, you know, we are, you know, as people watching it as consumers, we have recency bias. There were defensive ends guarding receivers in 2018. Yeah. That was not that long ago. Like, like, no, no. Like, about, yeah, I'm going with 18. I feel pretty good about it. I'm going with 18 as well. I believe that's all the questions we had from yesterday. So um, I think we just about covered everything. I know you got to run. I got to make I'm still in Mississippi. I'm making the drive back to Texas today. So that's uh, me. Yeah, that that's going to be a fun one. I'll be on I twenty for seven hours. So lovely. Is this, is pretty- this like uh, where you check the NFL like you know once every two hours and pray that you still have money in your bank account? Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to play the red zone and put the phone in the car seat and listen to red zone like it's a radio. There show. You I've go. tried that one before. Not as, that. not as bad as you think. Do you have to? Uh, can you get red zone on your phone? Yeah, so I have an app called Fubo TV because my TV provider does not have the Red Zone, and so I get that just for Red Zone. So I can, yeah, you can play on your phone. There's a Red Zone app. Okay, well, how do you do that? So, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. But anyway, hope everyone uh, had a safe, happy Thanksgiving. Ole Miss beats Mississippi State 31-24 to win the 2020 Egg Bowl. Um, We will not have a show next week now. No, they're not playing next week. Yeah, so no post-game show from Colin and I next week. We'll probably do something. I don't yeah. know. We'll probably do something midweek, maybe something. We'll have something next week. Not sure what the pod schedule is, but uh, everybody stay tuned for that. I appreciate it, dude. This was fun. Absolutely, man. Everybody have a safe, happy end to your Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, Colin and I will be back at it sometime next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.